So Jesus, who was crucified, he bled, he died, he paid a price for our sins, but then he raised, was raised back to life. And, you know, for all of us, what that really means is that Easter is about miracles, but Easter is also about hope. Also, it's about hope. Uh, you know, I, some of you know, I always like to look eventually at the dictionary and see what it says about things. Besides, I always read the word, but I always check the dictionary. And, you know, hope is two, a couple of definitions of hope I really like. One, it says it's looking forward to something with confidence of fulfillment. Kind of sounds good. Looking forward to something with confidence that it'll happen. Second one was the happy anticipation of good. Pretty good too, right? It's, it's really, a, it's such an important aspect of our lives. Hope is a big deal, isn't it? We, we don't really think about it. I don't really think about it often about how important it is. But boy, when we're feeling hopeless, we certainly are aware of it. So uh, I do hope you'll come back. I hope you'll come back, uh, as Pastor Cindy said, for this next series of messages that's called Real Hope because uh, it's a big part of our lives. Look, um, okay, so it's time for honesty here for just a second, okay, for all of us, right? So can I assume that all of us that are here today at some point have experienced some disappointments? Is that a safe bet? At some point, we have all experienced some disappointments, okay? Um, You know, you might be going through some right now. Uh, You know, it's because there are just seasons of our life when it just seems like life isn't going the way we had it planned. Just things aren't kind of running the way we imagined. Uh, and, man, it can come across in a lot of different ways, right? I mean, it can be, it can be kind of off the rails. It can be whether it's relationships or our marriages. Uh, it can be our jobs, our finances. The list is really long. But there's a lot of areas where that can happen. And sometimes it can get so bad that it can kind of feel like our dreams have died uh, and, and like that those things that we've hoped for are never going to happen. And that's when we can start to feel discouraged, and eventually we would say we've lost hope. We've lost all hope. So how does that happen? What what are some of the things that can cause us to lose hope? Just a few ideas, because there's a lot of them. But certainly, uh, one of the things that can contribute to us losing hope are those tough seasons, those tough situations, or failing relationships in our lives, right? There's kind of tough patches we go through. Uh, Fair to say life throws some curveballs. Yeah, there are some things that we don't see coming, right? But all of a sudden, they just happen. And, you know, jobs don't work out. Our, man, our older parents get sick and all of a sudden start requiring uh, time and energy from us. Our, our sweet babies, our sweet little babies grow up into these adolescents that, you know, have a mind of their own. And, you know, that throws some curveballs to all of us. Marriages that don't follow that storybook Hollywood model of love at first sight and every day after that is, you know, roses and, you know, moonlight and, you know, I mean, it, it, I think we would all admit there are these things that can happen. I mean, uh, in a few, in a, in a little over a month or so, we're going to be celebrating our 35th wedding anniversary. Okay, yeah, amen, <laughs> praise God. Who would have thought it? I mean, you know, and I mean, and, and I got to tell you the truth. I assure you that, and this is not just something that sounds good to say, it's really the truth. I love my wife more today than I did the day I married her. I absolutely do. I, I tell you the truth. I love her because 
because we've been through some stuff now. I knew I liked her a lot. I knew I loved her a lot. I knew I thought she was really pretty to me and I wanted to marry her. But, you know, I didn't know a lot about her. Because when we got married, we hadn't been through the fire. Right? See what I mean? So, so I, while, while, and like any marriage, even the best marriages go through tough times. Even the best ones go through tough times. And so we're just kind of like every marriage on the planet, right? We had some tough times too. But in those tough times, people that understand what it takes to make a marriage work know that you just don't walk away when things get tough, right? That's when you buckle in. That's when, that's when you, your marriage is getting tested and you don't quit because you get down on your knees and you pray and you ask God for help. You ask God to show you what to do. You turn your pain, you turn that thing that's hurting about it over to God and you give it to him and you ask him to renew your love for your spouse and you ask him to show you how to move forward. And the good news is, the hopeful thing is, is he will. He will. He will. But we can go through those tough things where, we're, where really all that's left is for us to pray. We've got to pray for our marriages. Pray for those relationships that are failing. Pray for those jobs. Pray for those finances. And we give them to God, and he will always answer. But when we don't do those things, those things in life can really cause us to start to lose hope. Another thing is false beliefs. You know, there are things that we can start to believe about ourselves. Maybe people have spoken them over us. Maybe we've heard them said from a a bad boss or from a a, a problem relationship. But people start to think to themselves that I can't succeed. I'll never get ahead. They start to say my marriage will never get any better. Here's maybe the most dangerous one is God's mad at me. God's mad at me. He'll never forgive me for what I've done. He'll, I'll never get past this. Look, let me assure you, those things simply don't have to be true, okay? Uh, in fact, we know God isn't mad at us, don't we? Because Scripture says in Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still far away from God, right, Christ died for us. So we know God's not mad at us. He, he, gave, he paid the ultimate price for us before we even knew him, before we even cared about him. Last way that strikes me when we really can start to lose hope is when we start comparing ourselves to other people. Boy, that's a dangerous thing to do, isn't it? You know, and, and it always makes a problem for us because here's the problem. When, when we compare ourselves to other people, like with what they've got or, you know, how their family looks or whatever it is, right? The problem is we're only seeing the results, right? We're not seeing the price they paid to get there. We're not seeing the effort they put in. We're not seeing the sacrifices they made to be there. And so what they've got always looks easier to us because we're, we're just seeing the results, Here's the thing for us. We we really shouldn't be looking at the successes or the failures of others. What we should be doing is not looking. We should be listening to the voice of God. We should be listening to what his promises are for us. Jeremiah 29, 11. We talk about that one pretty often here. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope. There's that word, plans to give you hope 
and a future. So today, it's Easter Sunday. And so far, this hasn't sounded a whole lot like an Easter message, has it? Okay? But you know what? It is now, okay? Because what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some people whose hope, whose plans had really been changed. For about three years, these people had been involved in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And, man, they had been a part of everything Jesus was doing. They had literally walked away from their former lives in order to, to minister, follow, and serve with him. But now, over these last few days, as the video showed, as we've talked about and as the story we all know, right? Over these last few days, Jesus has been arrested and he's been tried and he's been convicted. And finally, he's been crucified on the cross. All of those people watching, all of those people watching, think about that. They were all there. They're seeing all this. They're watching their plans being washed away all that they had hoped for, all that they thought was about to happen. They, they watched him being beaten and mocked. They watched him bleed, and they finally watched him die. They also, after eventually, right, they watched him being taken down from the cross and being placed in a tomb. It seems pretty final. It seems like all those plans are never going to be fulfilled. I mean, they watched it. There's no denying what happened. So now what? What are they supposed to do? How are they supposed to go forward? If you will, open your Bibles and let's go to Luke 24. We're going to look at verses 1 to 12. I'm going to be using Luke and John today. Two of the Gospels, right? It's, it's, it's two writers writing about the same thing. They both get slightly different perspectives. And so it gives us different, different bits of information about the resurrection, okay? So first, let's look at Luke 24, verses 1 to 12. So it tells us on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But the apostles did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. And I understand that, don't you? I mean, honestly, I understand that. It would sound like nonsense. This hasn't happened before. You know, there's no basis to have any say, oh, yeah, oh, another one? No. They, they didn't believe because it never happened before. So it sounded like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. You know, so what are we supposed to do? When, when, how are we supposed to respond to these moments in our lives that are like this? 
right, that are like this. It's never happened. We don't have any experience. It sounds crazy, but we don't know what to do. Our plans, it just seems like have died. When all our investments in time, trying to build the relationships, all our efforts, they just haven't worked. They haven't paid off. And in fact, to anyone on the outside looking at us, they, it would look like we've just been left holding the bag. Right? I mean, we, we would look foolish. We would look like we've been deceived. It would look like we've, we've been taken, okay? And, and at this moment, that's exactly how these followers of Jesus were feeling. And we don't really talk about that very often on Easter, do we? You know, I, I love the, the stone rolled away and the, and the bright lights, but think about how these folks were feeling and what they had to go through. This is how they were feeling. Three years, they were thinking, three years of my life is down the drain. How am I going to get over the hurt? How am I going to move beyond this disappointment and the despair and this pain? How, do, how am I going to move forward with life? How, I, I had placed all my hope in this. Am I ever going to be able to hope again? What, you know, how do I go forward from where I am? And man, we can find ourselves in times just like that. When we really wonder, can I ever find hope again? And what, how will I get there? I mean, from where I am right now, you can talk to me about hope, but right now, I don't see a path to get there. It just, it seems impossible. It seems out of reach. So let's look at what they did. Let's look at what happened. And let's talk about how can we come from that place of pain, that place of disappointment, and what can we do to restore hope in our lives? Because that's really what all of those people needed. They needed their hope restored. Okay? Well, the first thing that we need to do to restore hope is we need to give our pain and our disappointments to God. We need to give them to God. You know, let's take a look at John 20, if you will. John 20, verses 24 to 29. Here's a great example of that. It's all about Thomas, and we call him Doubting Thomas, okay? Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Remember when the women had come and, you know, they said, oh, we didn't believe it? Well, Thomas wasn't even there, okay? So the other disciples told him, well, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my fingers where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it on my side. And then he says, Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Look, Thomas was one of the disciples who had been so hurt. He had been so devastated by this, these events and all that had happened. He was really beyond. He was so hurt. He was beyond just taking somebody else's word for it. He was beyond just being able to hear about it and go, oh, that's great news. Thomas actually needed to see Jesus. 
You know, he needed to see him up close. So close that he could actually touch and he could see the wounds. He could get close. I think the point for us is this. When our life has fallen apart, right, when things are really bad, look, you can watch Dr. Phil, you know, you can read self-help books. You can go to the bookstore. There's shelves of, 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 of self-help books that have five easy steps for this or 12 easy steps for that or how, you know, there's a li- you know, top 10 ways to, you know, be happy. You can try all those things. You can post about it on Facebook. You can complain about it to your mom or you can text all your friends. But here's the truth about it. None of those things are going to help. They are not going to help. They're not going to do any good. And none of those things are going to help you to restore your hope. Listen, the truth is there are times in our lives when there is nothing that will do but God. There is nothing that will do but God. Nothing's going to satisfy but God. Nothing is going to stop the pain and start the healing but God. Money can't buy it, right? Sex won't satisfy it. Think all the things people try to do. Drugs won't kill the pain and alcohol sure won't wash it away. You know what I'm really glad about? I'm glad I serve a God that's got big shoulders. I'm glad I serve a God that's got big shoulders. Because you know what? I can lay my big problems on him, and he doesn't go, ouch. He doesn't go, nah, I really wasn't planning on helping with that one. I serve a God with big shoulders, and he can handle whatever I tell him. And he will never be shocked. He'll never be outraged. He'll never be disappointed. He'll just accept it in love. Thomas needed to get close enough, I think, not only so that he could see him and touch him. Don't you imagine Thomas was talking to him too? I really think the reason Thomas needed to be close was I think Thomas needed to be right up there by him and say, I'd given up. I'd given up. I think he needed to tell him how broken his heart had been and how much pain he had been through. And he needed to be so close that he knew that Jesus was listening and that he heard. But think about it. When he did, what happened? Jesus let him touch him and the hurting stopped and the healing began. So we need to give it to Jesus We need to give it to Jesus. Second thing we need to do is we need to listen to the voice of God. If you will, let's go back to John chapter 20. And let's look at uh, verses 11 to 18. John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. It says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated there where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the feet. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? She said, well, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And think about this. She saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And then Jesus said to her, 
Mary. He called her by name. And then she recognized him and she turned and she cried out, Rabboni, which means teacher. Mary's hope, in verse 16, Mary's hope was restored when Jesus called her by name. It wasn't some impersonal counselor dishing out opinions. It was the resurrected Jesus calling her by name. It's interesting to me, until he called her name, she didn't realize it was him. She didn't know her hope had been restored, could be restored. She just knew there was an empty tomb. She recognized the sound of him saying her name. I think it's because he had said her name before. She recognized his voice saying her name. Look, God wants to speak to you and me as well. God can speak to you like nobody else because he knows you like nobody else. In fact, Psalm 139.13 promises us that he knew you when you were formed in your mother's womb. I mean, he has known you since he created you. And he knows you today. He knows you today. The only question is, do you know him? Do you know him? Will you recognize him calling you by name? Because you know you would recognize his voice. I think a fair question for any of us to ask you about all this is, okay, I believe that, but how's God going to speak to me? I mean, like, really, you know, let's be practical, right? How's God going to speak to me? How how am I going to know that it's God? And how's he going to do it? Well, okay, let's just all agree that he could choose to part the clouds and speak to you in an audible voice from heaven. He's done it before. Right? He did it in Scripture. He could do that. Okay? Now, personally, I haven't quite experienced that one yet, although I would certainly think that would be cool. Okay? And I would certainly welcome it. I just hope it's not to correct me. I hope it's to say something. I hope it's to say something nice, you know? But, but he could do that. But, you know, for most of us, most often... There's about three ways that he kind of, I think he speaks to us pretty often, okay? First of all, he speaks to us through his word, through, through the Bible, right? This, it tells us that this is the word of God, and so this is, I am hearing from God when I read his word, okay? You know, it's, it's this book, by the way, you know, we do all have to remember it. I know this is church, and you would expect me to say this in a way, but you know, this book, this is not for priests and pastors to read and then tell you what's in it. This is a book that was intended for us all to read, for us all to read, because it's God's love letter to us, okay? It's, it's how he speaks to us, and it's full of wisdom. It's full of guidance about every aspect of life, but we just have to read it. And so, you know, I don't want to miss out on Easter Sunday to also say this. If it, the, a lot of people have a, a house full of Bibles, by tradition, by tradition, okay? That doesn't mean they read them. I got a lot of books at my house that I haven't ever read. Some of them I may never read, <laughs> you know? No, you know what I mean? But, but, but so first of all, just having a Bible isn't the same as reading a Bible. And the other piece is that sometimes we have a house full of Bibles that are like 
old translations. And there's nothing wrong with that. But some of those old translations are not how we talk today, and they are hard to read. I mean, they're hard to sit. They're, at least for me, they're hard to sit and enjoyably read God's Word. So I just want to encourage you. If you need to get a modern translation of the Bible, you know what? It's accurate enough. <laughs> okay? I won't sit here and try to be a biblical scholar and say, oh, you know, this one's 5% better. You know what? It will be accurate enough to guide you in some of life's critical things. Get a Bible with a translation that you can enjoy reading so that you will read it. You will want to pick it up because not reading God's word is basically saying, I don't want to hear from you, God. And yet that's exactly what we need to do. We need to listen to his voice. And so we need to put ourselves in a position to hear it. And the best way is by reading his word. Second thing is through prayer. I know this is basic, but you know, we need to talk to God. We need to talk to God. And I think a lot of people grow up in, in different practices and, and in places where prayer is this very formal thing and it's full of these and thous and thouest and doest nots. And, you know, and I mean, prayer is just a conversation with God. Sometimes pray, prayers can last an hour, prayers can last 10 seconds. In fact, sometimes prayers are one word it's help. You know, it's, and, and that's a very adequate prayer. You know, God did not create, there's nowhere in here. He's got some model prayers. He's got some, we certainly have examples of other people praying. But there's no place in here that the verse says, and if you don't pray one of those ways, it don't count. God just wants to hear from you. So whether you do it, you know, whether you have this formal quiet time, when you, whether you have this formal place where you pray, great if you do. I know a lot of people who pray driving to work. Not a bad deal. I used to do that for years. You know, maybe the only quiet place you have in your life, okay? Or at least where you control, you can control it for whether it's for five minutes or an hour, okay? So, I mean, use it for something good, it's a great place to pray, you know. First off, start your prayer by saying, God, keep me safe while I'm driving to work today. You know, but, but I just want to encourage you. Talk to God. He can take it. There have been times in my life, I want to be really honest, when I've been upset about something, and frankly, I was glad I was alone in my car because I was doing a little yelling. Okay? I wasn't yelling at God. I was yelling and saying, I need an answer here. And just in case volume helps... I just, I, I mean, I, I just had to do what I could do to, to, to let God know that, that I needed him to intervene. I needed his help. And I mean, look, all I'm trying to tell you is, is you're not going to offend God. He's not going to go, I'm not listening to that prayer because you didn't pray it with the right language and you weren't kneeling and, you know, no, just talk to God. But here's the one piece that I want to encourage you to do that we often forget. We do a lot of telling God what we need and telling him how we're feeling and telling him how we hurt and telling him how so-and-so did us wrong and telling him what we want to see. We, sometimes we never do say, God, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? How do you feel? God, how would you have me respond? God, how would, how would you handle this issue? God, would you give me your perspective? 
Would you show me the path forward? Show me what you would do because I want to serve you. I want to honor you. So let's remember that we can tell him, but let's also ask him. Let's ask him because he'll answer you always, always. Final ways through the wise counsel of other followers of Jesus. You know, when you can talk to other believers, my experience is that's best serving you when that is confirmation of one of the other two. I, my, my, my own opinion, you can feel differently if you choose, is I would not recommend using that as the only, as an adequate soul source. It can happen in whatever order, but, but I, my, my view of my life and walk has been that that wise counsel is often that confirmation. It's that, it's that, it's that you know, once I've, I've prayed and I've read God's word and it's consistent, and then someone says, you know, I was just thinking the other day, and they, they share with me something, I mean, you, and it's consistent with that, right? But wise counsel from other believers will always, 100% of the time, always align with the word of God. It will never be wise counsel if it's something different that, 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 that conflicts with God's word. Okay? And it's okay to confirm, ask God to confirm his word. He will not be offended. He'll be cool with it. Okay? He, won't, he won't mind. And it's okay to say, God, if it's really you, if, if, if you really want me to take this job or if you really want me to you know, do this thing, right? God, just give me a piece about it. You know, just, you, know, you don't have to ask him to put a rainbow in the sky. You know, I mean, great, you know, maybe he will. But, you know, a lot of times what I really want is I just want God to give me peace because I'm agitated and I'm, I'm trying to think through this. And, you know, God will do that. He will, because God loves you so much, he isn't going to send you over a cliff. He will give you peace. He will give you wisdom, but you have to ask for it. Just, just come to him and ask for it. Finally, third thing is we just need to do what he says when we've asked. Let's read this. This is one verse, okay? You don't even have to turn to it. It was John 20, verse 27. And it was when Thomas was having the conversation with Jesus. And, and Jesus said to Thomas, just stop doubting and believe. Just, you know, just stop doubting and believe. And, you know, fortunately for Thomas, he did. okay. And that's what we need to do, right? So today, if you've gone through some tough times and right now you'd say, man, it's really hard to be hopeful. In fact, you're not really sure how you'll ever have hope again. And whether it's regarding any of those areas, marriage, family, things we've talked about today, just remember that Jesus, who was crucified for you and who was raised back to life by the power of God, here's what he would say to you today if you're feeling like you're under the pile and you do not know how you will ever have hope again. He said it in Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. He said, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Look, if you, if you truly want to restore hope in your life, truly want to restore hope in your life, I would just invite you to do what Jesus said. Just believe. Just believe. You know, 
today, Jesus offers hope to everyone who willingly comes to him. So glad for that. He offers hope to everyone who willingly comes to him, who acknowledges the sin in their lives and trusts in his cleansing blood for forgiveness and healing. Would you guys stand with me as we get ready to close today? So the question for you today is what hopes or dreams in your life are under attack? Maybe dead. You think they're dead. You don't know how you'll ever get past it. I just want to remind you that today hope lives right now because of the empty tomb. Hope lives because of Jesus. Hope lives because of Jesus. So let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. Today, could be you're here. Could be you've been here before. Could be your first time. Could be, though, that you've never taken that moment where you just said, you know what, today, I, I've never, I've, I've been around church, I've, I've, I've been around things, but I've never had that moment when I can really solidly say there was a moment in my life when I actually said, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to make that stand. I want to actually become a follower of Jesus. I, I want to know for sure that he, I want to give him my sins. I want to give him my pain, and I'm going to ask him to make me new. I'm going to ask him to, to wash me in his cleansing blood. I, I, I can't really say that I've really made that conscious decision to become a follower of Jesus. If, if today you'd say, you know, I need to make that. I need to really settle this. I, I need to know for sure. And today you'd say, I, I want to make sure I'm a follower of Jesus. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking. Just, just if that's you, just raise your hand. Just say, Lord, that's me. I, I want to make sure I'm a follower of Jesus today. Amen. Amen. Okay. Praise God. Now, if you would say that there is, I, got, I need my hope restored. I got, I got areas where my hope is just beat up. And I need to ask Jesus to restore my hope. I need the power of God to come and bring it back to life. If that's you, just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let's pray. If you raised your hand to receive Jesus, just pray along with me. Lord, I, I, today I come before you. And I confess the sin in my life. I give you my life. I ask you to come in and cleanse me and wash me of all my sin. And I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, now today I, I lift up all those who've raised their hands for have their hope renewed. God, I ask you to touch them. I ask you, Father, to speak to them today. I ask you, Father, to show them in ways. Lord, like Thomas, who just said, I got to get close. I need something concrete. God, I pray that today you would show them in some concrete, undeniable way 
how much you love them, how much you care for them. And Lord, I pray that before they go to bed tonight, they would stop doubting and believe. They would sense a renewed hope because they've seen your love for them in a unique way. So Lord, I thank you for this time you've given us together today. Oh God, we thank you for your love for us. And we pray, Father, now that you would, Lord, in all of our lives, whatever you've begun in each of our hearts today as we've had this time together, I pray, Lord, that you would bring it to completion in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.